How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Gospel of Fatherhood podcast. I am your host, Chris Ramirez. Join us every other Monday as we have a conversation about all things fatherhood. You can learn more about our podcast at fatherhoodgospel.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Gospel Fatherhood Podcast. This podcast is all about the fundamental journey of becoming the best dad that you can be. This podcast is a journey just like fatherhood is, and I'm currently in the process of learning how to become the best dad that I can be. I'm not an expert, I'm not claiming to be someone that has this thing called fatherhood figured out. Um, I'm just another dad that's trying to live out the things that I'm currently learning and hopefully I could help you all do the same. I'm extremely pumped for this topic that we'll be talking about this week. We, we've been in a series called Greatest Hits where we, where we talk to, or where we hear from, I should say, where we hear from different fathers, some of my friends, uh, peers, and uh, mentors in the Department of Fatherhood. And uh, even myself, we, we hear about the lessons that they've learned through their process of being a dad. And um, this week I have the privilege of sharing. Uh, I'm super excited about this uh, topic because it hits close to home for me as of a few, uh, I, I want to say since the beginning of this year, kind of maybe like March, um, things started shifting a little bit because of uh, the reality of COVID-19. But the lesson we will be discussing today is how some dads struggle spiritually when they become a father because of um, how much they attend church when they have a newborn or a toddler. So uh, so yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I remember when my wife and I uh, were pregnant, it, uh, which seems like years ago. Um, I want another one and I'm super excited because in a couple of months we'll be actually having a boy and I'm stoked. But anyways, I remember having the conversation with uh, one of our cousins who's a more seasoned parent than we are and they told us that the moment that our baby was born, we would stop a attending church, or we would find uh, a new church that is more convenient for us. Context is key. We attend a church. Um, we were attending a church at the time, I should say, that was about 25, 30 minutes away from our home, one way. So round trip, we sometimes spent about an hour in the car. And her point was that we would look for a church that was closer to home because spending an hour in the car, plus getting ready in the morning, plus getting a baby ready in the morning, and then being at church for an hour to two hours just doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense with attempting to honor our baby schedule, sleep habits, and, um, and, and yeah, and we're like, no, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll be fine. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's crazy. But now I find myself two years in and uh, in, in, in this conversation, right? And, and I humbly can say I was wrong. She was so, so right in a way. We, we, we no longer attend the church that we were at um, because it was just really, really difficult. It was a hard decision leaving the church that we were at because we loved our pastors and our community. But, um, 
but yeah, getting to church, serving at church and sitting through an entire service seemed to be impossible, right? When we were, when we were doing it. So I'm going to dive into a moment of prayer and then invite you all, um, into my wife and my personal journey of navigating, um, the difficulty of church. And, and I want to share some hacks to make uh, church work as a dad, as a, to make church work as a family person and, and how to have a thriving relationship with Jesus through it all. So Jesus, we pray that you're in the midst of us right now, God, and we pray that this uh, talk blesses people that may be struggling um, because they don't attend church as much or because they don't um, because they, they, they don't know how to read their Bible or whatever the case may be, Lord. We just pray that you are the center of this talk and that this talk would bless so many people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so I want to make a little disclaimer before we get too far ahead of ourselves. I'm a big believer uh, in being a spiritual contributor and not a spiritual consumer. And what I mean by this is as a follower of Jesus, we are called to bring the kingdom forward. I hear I hear so many people say that they cannot find a church that meets their needs. And let me tell you that there's nothing more frustrating to me. It is probably one of my biggest pet peeves. We need to stop looking for a church that meets our quote-unquote needs and start looking for a church where there are needs uh, to be met and we do our best to meet those very needs. So when I say things like um, making church work, what I don't mean is finding a church that is cooler, better, or has more resources, but what I mean is uh, taking the context that you have and navigating it in a way that brings the kingdom forward without saying yes to everything and ultimately compromising the ministry that is uh, your first ministry, your family. So now I've gone on my uh, little tangent about spiritual contributors versus spiritual consumers. So back to our regularly scheduled program. My wife and I, uh, for our whole married life and even seasons prior, we're so used to being at every church service. If there was a need, we met that need, setting up, cleaning up the works, right? We were always at church, always helping. We did this out of the abundance of our heart but partially because, um, for me at least, I'm a doer. I thrive off of serving. I have a large bandwidth when it comes to getting stuff done and not um, needing to be refreshed. I'm an extrovert uh, to the core, and my wife isn't. She's uh, she, she's a people person, but also uh, needs her introverted time to be refreshed. But that's not me. Uh, I'm refreshed by being with people, helping, meeting needs. Um, it sort of makes me feel validated, and that's a dark side of my personality. So the moment my daughter was born, it was like we went backwards when it came to church, right? We went from 100 to zero. Well, well not zero. Zero, but you you get the point, right? I'm uh, that I'm attempting to convey. We we didn't go as often, and the times we did go, we didn't stay for very long. And let me tell you, it affected me. It was a huge shift for me. It really hindered my spiritual life, and I did not like it. So. To be honest, this was a struggle for me, and and from my from you know my daughter first being born to to about her first birthday, we'd either not go to church at all because um, my daughter's like clockwork, and for some reason she's a joy Monday through Saturday, but Sunday she's an absolute nightmare. She wakes up in a bad mood, and it doesn't change till the next day. It's really funny, actually. My wife and I would have this ongoing joke that our daughter knew how badly we wanted to go to church, but it took the focus off of her little princess. And, um, and she's like, Nope, not today. So we've, we came to grips at the time and just decided to deal with it. Um, 
so, so yeah, uh, but, but thankfully we're on the other side of this. Um, but during that season, a typical Sunday for us would be, you know, waking up, getting ready for church, getting our daughter ready for church, driving, you know, 30 minutes to get to church just for our daughter, not to want to be in the nursery because of stranger danger. And, uh, and we just would keep her with us and all she would want to do is play. So after worship, we'd either leave because she started getting a little fussy or, uh, we ended up playing in the church courtyard, which may not seem bad, but it got to bit frustrating week after week when all you wanted to do is sit down and listen to a sermon for once when you haven't in months. And, and like I said, thankfully, we've turned the corner as of about the beginning of this uh, this present year. Our daughter started developing a little bit more trust with people that she saw on a regular basis. And after weeks of her not wanting to be in the nursery, uh, she started being okay with it. And, you know, her nap started spreading out a little bit. Her schedule started spreading out so she could hang a little bit longer um, because my daughter loves loves to sleep. So her naps do not get messed with, right? Um, parents, you know what I mean? So we're thankful that we've turned the corner, but sadly, um, starting this past March, um, COVID happened, right? All of us are aware of the pandemic that we're experiencing in our world and, uh, and churches closed down. So we did church from home for a season and we, throughout that process, uh, of dealing with this pandemic have identified that we want to go to a church that is more local to the city we live in. So we don't have to make that commute. And now we find ourselves in October of 2020 and, uh, our, our church is open. Now we go to a church that's near our city. It's in the same city as us, actually. Um, so yeah, we're thankful that we've turned the corner. Once childcare is provided, um, church will be a lot easier for us because we're right by uh, the church that we, we're, the church we go to, we're right by it. We live super close to it and our daughter is able to hang a little bit longer. But if you are uh, feeling that you're in the thick of it, you feel like you haven't been to church in what seems like a lifetime, I wanted to share some hacks with you guys of how my wife and I made it work. And once again, I'm no expert. I'm just a dad that's learning as I'm going. So hopefully these points or these hacks, whatever you want to call them, help you like they've helped me. These are some of the greatest uh, tips that I've received from people or I've developed over time. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm willing to call them a lesson. So, um, so yes, the first one is say yes to what is most important. Say yes to what is most important. You see, this one is tough for me because I'm a yes man when it comes to church. Because once again, I have large bandwidth and I want to do it all. I want to be involved on the greeting team. I want to go to multiple services. I want to preach whenever my pastor asks me to. I want to do announcements whenever there's a need. I want to attend a home group. I want to facilitate a home group. I want to do it all. But what happens when I try to do it all is that I do everything at less than like 40% the, uh, when I should be doing less, right? Um, I should just be doing less than I could do it to a greater capacity, right? And, 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 and me doing this caused me to not put my best foot forward. So my advice to you, if you're like me, is make a list of your main priorities when it comes to church. Where does the Lord want you to put your time and, uh, and most effort in and do that to the best of your ability? So one, say yes to what is most important. Two, be patient. 
Um, I know this may sound like a general statement, but it is so, so true when it comes to fatherhood. When it comes to attending church, you will go back to church. I promise you people, I promise you dads, moms, whoever's listening to this, you will go back to church, but it requires you to have uh, a little bit of patience and understanding of your son or daughter's abilities. Don't get impatient with them to the point where it leads you to push them beyond their abilities. You're honoring um, what they're capable of doing and, and, and doing that is sowing seeds that you may not see the harvest of now, but you will. You, you pushing them um, will, turn, will turn into you doing it as you, they grow up in their adolescent years. And when, uh, when that tends to happen, when, what I mean by this is when parents push their children to go to church, it usually backfires and we don't want that, right? So honor your children's current context, uh, keep that uh, posture in mind, and you will see a harvest of what you have sown, um, but you got to be patient. Number three, do not give up. Do not give up. My, my wife and I, we were close to being done and just giving up. I remember one morning I had coffee with my pastor and I was in, and I was in tears and, and, uh, I just was telling him, you know, I, I need to go to a different church, um, because I don't know how much longer I could attend it, but, uh, but not really attend. Right. And, and I needed to find something closer to home, a place that would be convenient for our daughter. Um, and, and I never forgot his, I never would forget his words. He said, Chris, if, if I am pushing you to the church over your family, um, I am not serving you to the best of my ability. Um, I want this church to be somewhere where you're refreshed and not stressed out. So at the time, we didn't give up. We kept persevering, remained patient, and thankfully we did because it was just a season. And a few weeks later, our daughter started to gain traction when it came to the nursery. Um, but at that time, we were obviously going to our church that was 30 minutes away. And you know, through this process of praying and COVID, when church was canceled for everyone, we started uh, getting our 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 uh, family mission realigned to what God wanted us to do, and that was to serve the city that we are currently in. So, uh, so we changed, uh, we switched up where we were attending church. But um, but don't give up. Keep going to a church. Um, don't just start watching podcasts. Those are good and they serve a purpose. Don't don't only do church at home. Uh, don't give up. Keep going to church. Number four, celebrate the little wins. And it's easy to notice the bad things. It's easy being a glass half empty type of guy rather than a glass uh, half full. So celebrate with your spouse rather than complain or harp on the fact that being a parent is hard. Celebrate the little wins. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't vent to your spouse about things that you find difficult. I actually think you should do that. But but uh, if you focus solely on that, you will never see the little wins. I remember the, the first time um, our daughter was in the nursery. Um, when we when we were going to church in Encinitas, uh, the church that was about uh, thirty minutes away, uh, and our pastor asked us to do announcements, we kind of we kind of freaked out because it was the first time we put our daughter in the nursery, and we were like, well. If she's happy in the nursery or sad or whatever, we you know we need to do we do we need to do announcements. So uh, it doesn't really matter how she responds. And guess what? She was crying hysterically. 
it, it, it was it was crazy. She was crying hysterically, but on the way back from church, we celebrated because we did it, right? We finally withheld control. Um, it was the first time. Uh, it was the first time that we weren't hover parents, right? And and give us a break. Hover parenting when you're a first time parent is a real thing. Um, so we celebrated really really hard, and now I can confidently say that our daughter uh, that our daughter um, doesn't cry at the nursery anymore. Sometimes she has a little bit of a tantrum, but for the most part, she does really, really well. Um, and you know, when there isn't nursery because of COVID, she stays with us and she stays entertained for the most part. So, you know, we celebrate the little things, whether that's, you know, us relinquishing our control or whether that's our daughter or your son, um, you know, succeeding in the nursery or whatever it is, we celebrate the little things. Number five, thank your nursery workers religiously. I want to tell you all a quick story that I found to be hilarious. It was the first time, the second time actually, that uh, we had a, uh, a successful moment in the nursery. Um, and and uh, my daughter has a sound machine. She sleeps with one. And, uh, and we went to the, we went to church and we left her in the nursery. She was crying hysterically. And when I went to go pick her up from the nursery, this, uh, this nursery worker is rocking my daughter back and forth in this rocking chair. And Tally, my daughter is holding the sound machine, staring at it, listening to it, about to fall asleep, drooling. It was hilarious because it's the same, it's the same sound machine that we have at the house. So it just brought her a little bit of comfort or whatever, but it was so funny. So, uh, thank your nursery workers or your children workers. They work super hard and they're very underappreciated. They deserve a recognition. Uh, they deserve your recognition and, you know, they're creative with it, right? So maybe even give them a gift. They're awesome. So those are some of the tips or hacks, if you want to call them, that I have when it comes to making church work. Um, but lastly, the, the main thing that I want to focus on, because uh, we all are called to be spiritual contributors and not spiritual consumers, um, going to church is amazing and it's, uh, you know, it's a biblical uh, mandate, right? God calls us to be in community and that's what the local church is, but he doesn't call us to simply get fed by the church. He's calling us to be in relationship with him. So I've, I hope you enjoyed all those simple, uh, but hopefully helpful perspective hacks when it comes to making church work. Um, uh, when, when being a parent becomes complicated, but if I could be transparent with you all, um, even if you do one through five of these hacks, it still won't be enough to feel like you're connected to God. Um, there's a deeper rooted issue, and that is in order to have a thriving spiritual life, you cannot rely on secondary sources for your relationship uh, with God. I'm going to say that again. You can't rely on secondary sources for your relationship with God if you want to have a thriving spiritual life. So there's no amount of great sermons that will fill up your cup. There's no amount of church services that you will attend that will fill up your cup. There's no amount of self-help books that will fill up your cup. What will fill up your cup is going straight to the source, Jesus Christ himself, rather than a secondary source to fill up your cup. Go straight to the source. So when you feel like your spiritual life is in a drought, think of it as is a cup with a bunch of cracks all over it, right? Or a cup with a hole on the bottom. You can pour sermons or books or church services into that, but eventually uh, when that runs out, your cup will be empty and run dry again. The only thing that will patch up those cracks or holes is Jesus. And even if those holes aren't patched or, uh, or dried up, right? Uh, Jesus is the active living water that won't run dry. So you will be constantly filled even though you are a broken, 
broken individual and that source will not run dry. Uh, so as I alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, my daughter's first year of being alive, there was a lot of highs and lows for me. And speaking on the perspective of lows, it was a spiritually low year for me. I stated earlier that my spiritual life was hindered. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was relying too heavily on secondary sources to fill up my cup. And that always will run out. So if you're listening and you may be thinking, okay, so I don't have to go to church then. Not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not saying the secondary sources are bad, but what I am saying is that we shouldn't rely on those solely to be filled up. They are they are supplementary, you see. Uh, I read amazing books. I listen to some great podcasts, receive great input from my pastors who who I respect heavily and and all that is good but it's not like going to the source the one that they call the wise counselor he is greater than all earthly sources that we may fill ourselves with so I'm just going to give you guys a few um, uh, things that you guys can keep note of when it comes to getting your spiritual life in check and the first one is reevaluate your relationship with Jesus be extremely honest with yourself how often are you going directly to him as your source, going to him as your lifeline? Are you constantly going to Jesus to receive or are you going to man-made things? Once again, man-made things are not bad. Jesus has given us authority and stewardship over all these things, but when we are going to secondary sources more than Jesus, the main primary source is when we can find ourselves in a drought. It is so interesting because we get there without even knowing it, right? We we think we are connected to God, but in reality, um, when we're relying on someone else's revelation, when, when we're relying on someone else's perspectives or someone else, what, what someone else hears from God um, and making it our own, um, that is not relying on the source and that is not a true connection. There's prophecy and there's things like that, but when we're utilizing someone else's um, knowledge of biblical things, or when we're using what someone else has heard from the Lord and making it our own, that is not the same as hearing it from the source. Jesus wants to speak to you. He wants to reveal things to you about his love, his character, his will for your life. And if you're going to things that that aren't him for wisdom and insight, we may miss out on something unique that God wants to speak to us directly. Number two is remember there's no such thing as a Christian scorecard. I want to share a story with you guys. Um, There was a season about a year ago that I felt that I feel like a lot of married couples go through where sex becomes routine and you're just doing it to do it. The passion isn't there anymore or maybe not as much. So anyways, some time ago, right, my wife and I went through this very season and you know, when it comes to being intimate with your spouse, there's ebbs and flows where sometimes it's it's uh, very passionate and great and sometimes you know there's there's a lack of passion and a lack of intentionality on you know most of the time my end because I'm the pursuer and sometimes I can be a lazy human but I remember about a year ago we were in counseling and our counselor expressed something in counseling and uh, and he said that women aren't microwaves they're crock pots so what did I do I took the words of my counselor in 
the feelings of my wife and I made a shift, right? I, I attempted to uh, do everything in, in my control to, to make sure that my wife uh, knew I was making an effort, right? I was more vocal. I was more touchy in our evenings together. When we'd watch TV before bed, I'd be very cuddly or, you know, I'd give her a massage and in hopes of us being um, passionate in our moments of intimacy with one another. And while this is a good thing, uh, you making your wife feel, feel pursued, what ends up happening or what ended up happening at least um, is we found ourselves in the same exact place, but a different vehicle, right? Sex was no longer a routine thing like it once was, but it became something that made my wife feel like she was just an object and we couldn't just exist with one another without being sexual, uh, sexually uh, intimate with one another. Um, so you may be like, Chris, what the heck is this? I thought this was a fatherhood talk and not a sex talk. And well, it is, but I share this point um, to prove something. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm an overcorrector. When I've been made aware of a blind spot in my life, I tend to overcorrect because I want to show that person that I care, that I was listening, and that I want to make a change. And in our spiritual life, we tend to do the same thing. We go from being a dormant follower of God to a flaming Christian, right? And I'm going to say that again. We go from a dormant follower of God to a flaming Christian. We start doing all of these things for the kingdom. We start to miss out on the king, though. I'm going to say that again. We, we start to do all these things for the kingdom, but we start to miss out on on the king. Jesus has created us with the purpose of of being in relationship and God wants to be with you. Being with him alone is enough to have a thriving spiritual life and out of the abundance of a thriving spiritual life, we begin to serve God from a healthy place and not of a place of obligation or overcorrection. So take this as a reminder. There's no such thing as a Christian scorecard. We need to not do things uh, for God uh, before we are actually with God. We need to do, we need to not do things uh, for God before we are actually with him. God is not keeping track of what you're doing. He's more so concerned with you just being with him. So take a break, kick your feet up, breathe slowly, and listen to the small, still whispers of his voice. And, And the last thing is number three, God uh, wires people differently, right? And and there are different pathways that we can uh, relate to God. There's emotional pathways, spiritual, social, intellectual, physical. I don't want to get into all of these things, but you need to remember all of these outside examples of your pastor or your friends that have a really thriving spiritual life. You comparing your own life and trying to model, a- model it after theirs is not necessarily a bad thing to do, but you may not connect to God when it comes to physical things. Like I have buddies that go on runs and they feel super, super connected to God. And when they feel the the wind on their face or they they feel their lungs filling up with air, they feel connected to God. And if that's you, I have no idea why you'd feel that way. I don't understand you. Um, but uh, but that's not me. That's not me. And, and I'm totally kidding. If that's how you connect to God, that's great. But some of you guys may not be that way. Some of you guys 
may not be super emotional people where you see a beautiful sunset and you begin to start crying because of the beauty of God's creation. That may not be you. Some of you guys may be more intellectual. I have a really good friend. He's one of my best friends that can read a good commentary or a good Greek interlinear or takes his education very, very seriously. And he feels like he's connecting with God in that way. And that is how God wired him to be. So this point is God God wires people differently, and um, and there are different ways that you can spend time with God. Um, that's how He that's how He operates. God has not created all of us to be the same. He's created us to be unique, and that's an amazing thing. God's wired us differently and uniquely. So my encouragement to you is to lean into into how God uh, feels nearest to you. Right. So 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 find out what areas, uh, what, what what ways you feel nearest to God and spend time doing those things. If, if you haven't tried it, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't, um, figured out what areas that you feel most close to God, give different, uh, things a try. Go pray on the beach. If you live by a beach, go to the gym and lift weights, go talk to your pastor and have an edifying, a fulfilling conversation. Go read a book, find out and learn more about how God has wired you to be. And that's it for today, my friends. Um, Doing this, uh, doing all of these things that I've said um, is a time commitment, right? But remember that if he's the number one priority um, in our life, we we are better parents, right? We, we can get through the season where we may not be at church. And once again, I, I, I just want to overemphasize that season will go by quickly until you have another kid and then it happens again and, you know, the, the, the cycle continues. But you will go back to church. You will will be back in community, but until then, remember that um, to have a a thriving spiritual life, God is calling you to simply be with him, right? Not do things for him, but to be with him. And out of that, you will be able to do uh, things for him if those are the things that uh, that you enjoy doing. So we're so excited that you were uh, here to listen to this uh, talk today. I know it's a lot to digest and it may even sound impossible to remember all of it, um, but I just wanna remind you, this is all to encourage you and not to discourage you. you you guys can do it. The fact that you've listened to this entire episode shows me that you um, you want to have a thriving spiritual life because you care about um, church, you care about God, and um, and yeah. So uh, we're thankful that you're here today. If uh, if this was somewhat helpful to you um, and you enjoyed listening, um, there are two ways you can be helpful to us: leave us a rating. We'd love that, and it'd help us get this uh, resource exposed to more people. And number two, share this with a friend, if you know a dad that is wanting to learn more about what it means to be a father, or you know someone that just wants to learn about being a father or what fatherhood looks like, you don't need to be a father, um, hit that share button and send it over to them. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Peace.